I hope you'll bear with me a few words of sorrow as we begin discussing and thinking about the lesson this morning. Many of you know that Christmas time this past year was pretty hard on my family and a lot of families that I know. See, when I was just out of high school, I became a youth minister for a congregation in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I lived during that time with a family from church, the Bondi family, and I lived there for a year and a half with them in their home. And you know how it is, if you ever have lived in somebody's home, you become a part of their family, they become a part of your family. They had a two-year-old boy at that time, his name was Caleb. Caleb became very close to me, and over the years, after Holly and I got married, that, that family was always a part of our life, and we moved back to Hot Springs. I was a youth minister there again for about four and a half years, and so Caleb was in my youth group. I was his youth minister for several years, and then a few months ago, Christmas Eve to be precise, I got a text message that morning that Caleb was killed in a car accident. It's not the way I wanted to spend that day. I wanted to spend that day thinking about my family and opening presents and enjoying our time and our holiday together. may not be the kind of thing you want to talk about this morning. Not really the kind of thing I want to talk about this morning. See, it's, it's easy for a while to go through life and just not talk about the horrible things that might happen and do happen and could happen. And if they happen, we kind of push them out of our line of sight and we try not to think about them. We try not to focus on them or dwell on them. But sometimes reality, the cold, dark reality comes knocking. Sometimes a boss calls and says that they're making cutbacks and you've been fired. Sometimes a spouse says they want a divorce. Sometimes a doctor says that he's found something concerning And what I want to talk about this morning is what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ say to us in those moments? What does the resurrection say to us when we're afraid something horrible might happen or when we're suffering through something horrible that has happened? What does the resurrection say to us to help remind us that sometimes, yes, horrible things do happen? So this morning I want to talk about the resurrection and our faith. And by faith, I don't just mean believing in God. Unfortunately, sometimes when we talk about faith, that's what we mean. We mean believing in God. And yes, faith does mean that we believe in God, but it means also that we trust in God. So this morning, I want to talk about the resurrection and our trust in God. If you were to go through the Bible, I would say that the theme of the Bible in many respects is the trustworthiness of God. God is trustworthy. You can trust Him. He is faithful. You can put your faith in Him. That God, no matter how dark the circumstances are, no matter how dire the circumstances, God raises up the people who trust in Him. 
And in that way, the Bible is really a resurrection story, isn't it? It all makes sense, like we talked about last week, that everything is leading up to the resurrection of the Son of God. Because all throughout the Bible, you have these stories of resurrection. You have people who trust in God when all hope seems to be lost. They trust in God in darkness. They trust in God in death, whether that's death literally or death figuratively, and God raises up those who trust in Him. The oldest book in the Bible is probably the book of Job, the story of Job. You remember that story? He was a guy who had everything. He had life. Everybody that looked at him and saw him would say, ah, that Job's got the life. I mean, he's got family. If you like family, if you think family is the life, Job had family. He had great children. Everything seemed to be going well in that department. He had money. He had accolades, popularity, a good reputation. Everybody liked him. He had his health. Everything was going smoothly. And you see, behind the scenes, we're told this story about God and Satan. And Satan says, well, of course, Job loves you, God. Of course, he serves you and he trusts you and he's faithful to you because you protect him. And he's got all the good stuff. But take away that. When the cold, dark reality comes knocking on his door, then things will be different and he'll turn his back on you. And we know the story that Job lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his reputation. He lost even his health. And his wife says to him, why do you hold on to your integrity? In other words, why are you still being faithful to God? Why do you still trust Him? He's turned His back on you. Curse God and die. Job doesn't know why what's going on is going on. He doesn't understand. He's confused. He's upset. He's in lament. He's heartbroken. But yet he's patient. And he waits for the Lord. And what happens at the end? We have a resurrection story, don't we? Job gets even more than he had before. He gets it back. Job is restored. He is brought up from the ash heap. He is brought up and resurrected to a new life. That story is supposed to be encouraging to us to wait on the Lord, to trust in the Lord. When everything is dark, when everything seems hopeless, trust the Lord and He will raise you up. And it was a story that God's people, Israel, passed on and carried on and thought about as time went on. Because really, that's something we see all throughout Israel's history as well, don't we? We see Israel be brought to the brink of death, brought to the brink of extinction. Because of sin, the wicked perish. And many times, the righteous perished along with the wicked But there was always a remnant who trusted in the Lord and waited on the Lord. And what did God do? He restored. He resurrected Israel time and time and time again. In fact, when they were in Babylon, you remember when they were as captives and exiles in Babylon, the prophet Ezekiel had a vision. And it was a vision of a valley of dry bones. Nothing deader than a valley of dry bones. And God says, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel says, 
you know, Lord. And sure enough, they do. The Spirit of God goes out into these dry bones and the bones come together and muscles and joints and ligaments and skin comes on them and then God breathes breath into them and they live again. That's what God does. God is in the resurrection business. He resurrects spiritually. He resurrects figuratively. And we find out in Jesus, He resurrects bodily, right? And so that's what the people of Israel under Roman oppression, the time of Jesus, were waiting for. They were waiting for a resurrection. They were waiting for God to come and breathe new life into them and bring them back to who they knew they were supposed to be and could be. And they got far more than they were even expecting when Jesus showed up on the scene. See, the whole Bible is about trust in the Lord and He will raise you up. That's what it's all about. And so when somebody comes along and they undercut the resurrection, when they say, okay, 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 I just don't know if I can believe this resurrection stuff. I'll take the teachings of Jesus any day, but this resurrection stuff, I don't know about all that. You see, you can't have Jesus without the resurrection. You can't have the gospel without resurrection. You can't have Christianity without the resurrection. That's what it's all about. And that's what we see in 1 Corinthians 15, which is our text this month. And we see that Paul is writing to Christians who were being told and confused by false teachers who were saying there wasn't a resurrection. And again, that's what everything in the history of Israel, really the history of mankind, was leading up to, was the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And now people were saying it didn't really happen, or it couldn't happen, or that resurrection in general doesn't happen. And so in the first 11 verses, we talked about this last week, Paul says, listen, here's why you know the resurrection is true. But then he goes on to make the point that we started to make last week, that if the resurrection is a lie, well, then nobody should be a Christian. But if the resurrection is true, then everyone should be a Christian. Look, look if you would with me at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Again, we're talking about faith. We're talking about trust, right? You're, you're vainly trusting in God if there is no resurrection of the, of the dead. Why are you putting your trust in Him if there is no resurrection from the dead? Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He didn't raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, even Christ, then not even Christ has been raised. Now, Think about that argument that's going on there for just a moment. We're not saying that Jesus died and that Jesus brought himself back from the dead. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that the Son of God came and lived a perfect life. He entrusted himself to his heavenly Father. That he walked in obedience to him. That he walked in humility and faithfulness and trust. And that he trusted God even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that 
he was buried in a tomb, and his father brought him out. His father raised him up. His father resurrected him. His father raised him, right? Now, if the dead are not raised and Jesus wasn't raised, then what you're saying about God is that God let his son down. That God disappointed his son. That God didn't vindicate Jesus. And that's nonsense, right? Jesus is proof that God doesn't abandon his faithful one. That God doesn't abandon his son. That God doesn't break his promises. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith, that is your trust in God, is futile and you're still in your sins. We'll talk about that being still in your sins next week. Verse 18, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Right? But look at verse 20. And that's where it's good, isn't it? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Not in speculation, or maybe, or hopefully, or it could be, but Paul says, but in fact. And again, he has just gone over in the last few verses why you should believe that. How he saw the resurrected Jesus, and Peter saw the resurrected Jesus, the other apostles saw the resurrected Jesus, and hundreds of living people at that time had seen the resurrected Jesus. And he says, but in fact... Christ has been raised. God does not break His promises. When somebody is faithful to God and puts their trust in God, He raises them up. That's good news for all of us, isn't it? That God raises up those who put their trust in Him. Now look at that next part. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Somebody asked a great question in class this morning. And why is the resurrection of Jesus different than other resurrections that we read about in the Bible? You know, we read about Lazarus being resurrected and Jesus raised several people during his earthly ministry. Even some of the Old Testament prophets brought people back from the dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is completely different. It's completely different. Yes, these people were dead and they came back to life, but they came back to life in mortality, in mortal bodies. They came back to life in perishable bodies. They came back to life to die again, right? They they were, in a sense, if you want to put it this way, they were revived, but even the body that they lived in, resurrected, was going to die. Jesus is totally different. You see, Jesus was, was buried with a mortal body, and he was raised up with an immortal body. And he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, when Christians die, we're buried, we're trusting God that on the day of resurrection, he's going to raise us from the dead. And when he raises us from the dead, Paul's going to go on in the same chapter to explain that when we're raised from the dead, we'll be raised with imperishable imperishable bodies, immortal bodies, bodies that won't die. And Jesus, in his resurrection, is the first fruits of that. He's the sneak peek at that. He's the preview of that. So that we can see this is what's coming. This is what God is going to do. This is what resurrection looks like. He is going to resurrect his people to a brand new life 
A life without end, a forever life, a life where death is undone, where perishability is undone, where we won't get old and we won't hurt and all of the bad and all of the hurt and all of the death and all of the corruption is gone. And Jesus is the preview of that. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see that? That's good, isn't it? That's good. Underline that. Those who belong to Christ. That means that if you belong to Jesus, God promises, and you can trust that, you can take that to the bank, that God promises that He will give to you and do for you what He did for His only begotten Son. He will do for you what he did for Jesus. When Jesus returns, we will be raised just as Jesus was raised. So what difference does that make to me when I'm hurting? What difference does that make when I have to walk through the darkness? What difference does that mean if I lose my job? What what difference does that make if I'm today in a car accident and I'm paralyzed from the neck down? What difference does it make to me if I lose my children? It means that God does not break His promises. It means that if I trust in the Lord, He will raise me up. Amen? If I trust in the Lord, He will raise me up. That's what all of Scripture is about, is wait for God. Wait. Wait when it's hard. Wait when it hurts. Wait when you're lamenting. Wait when you're weeping. Wait when you're mourning. And I promise you, God says, if you belong to me, if you're my chosen race, if you're my royal priesthood, if you're my holy nation, if you're a people for my own possession, I will raise you up. That's good news. That's what the good news is all about. You see, but that's already what we've begun to participate in, isn't it? When we were baptized into Jesus, and I'm not just talking about getting wet in a baptistry. I'm talking about baptism by faith, by trust. That's what baptism was supposed to be about. That's what it was supposed to be about when I went down into that water. I was saying to God, God, I believe that you raise from the dead those who put their trust in you. That I believe that you raised your son from the dead and that spiritually speaking, when I come up out of this water, you're going to spiritually raise me from the dead. You see, because Ephesians 2 says that that's what we were outside of Christ. We were dead. And spiritually speaking, when we're baptized, we're buried with Jesus And we're saying to God, I trust you. I trust you that you bring the dead to life. And then when we're raised up from the water, we go to live a new life. To begin to participate in the fact that God raises up those who put their trust 
in Jesus. And he makes all things new. And that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's what we're participating in, isn't it? Look at Colossians chapter 2. And then we'll close with this passage. Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. I really like this CEV, the way it puts it here. It says this. When you were baptized, it was the same as being buried with Christ. Then you were raised to life because you had faith in the power of God. You trusted in the power of God who raised Christ from death. You were dead because you were sinful and were not God's people. But God let Christ make you alive when he forgave all our sins. See, if you're a Christian, then God has already done for you spiritually what he will someday do for you bodily, right? That's our hope. That's our trust, is that if I put my trust in Jesus and I'm buried with him, I'm clothed with him, I I die with him, then I trust that he's going to raise me up and he's going to give me a brand new life and that I'm not going to be dead anymore and I'm not going to be an outsider anymore and I'm not going to be cast off anymore. Now I'm going to belong to God. Now I'm going to have a brand new existence. And I also trust that as God's new creation, that even though this physical body is is going to go through, through some horrible thing, it's going to hurt, it's going to break, it's going to die. Someday, unless the Lord comes back first, they're going to take this body and they're going to bury it in a hole in the ground. But that's not the end of my story. Because I trust that just as God brought his son back from the dead with a brand new, imperishable, immortal body, that he is going to allow me to live again, not just for a little while, but forever. Forever. That's what it is. Today, when things are going well, or today when things aren't going so well, and tomorrow, and the next day, and for eternity, Trust in the Lord and He will raise you up. We have got to be a people who believe that. Not just who push negative thoughts out of our head. Sure, I don't want to think about death or dying or sickness or I don't want to think about those things and I don't think we should dwell on those things. But the answer isn't just push them out of your head. The answer is answer them with the gospel. Because the gospel gives us hope in those situations. The gospel gives us so much hope that we can walk into the valley of the shadow of death, not just by ourselves and with God, but with each other. And when you're going through that, I need to be able to have the courage to walk into it with you, us encouraging each other that Jesus lives and Jesus reigns and that if we trust in the Lord, He will raise us from the dead. He will raise us up. So let's be the kind of people that live every day, every moment, whether it's good or bad, whether it's easy or challenging, where we say, I will wait upon the Lord. I will trust Him. He will vindicate me. He will help me to live again. He will restore me. He will resurrect me. Even if I die, the story's not over because I will live forever through Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that hasn't put their trust in Christ by being buried. That's what you do with a dead person. You bury them. And if you're outside of Jesus, you're dead in your sins and your trespasses. 
and you need to be buried with Jesus, trusting in the power of God to raise you up. If you haven't done that, what are you waiting for? Or maybe we have done that, we just need to be reminded to put our trust in the Lord, and He will raise us up. If you're going through an easy time or a hard time, there's somebody beside you that's going through a hard time. And we need to encourage each other. We need to admit when we're struggling, because sometimes it's hard to trust in the Lord, isn't it? Sometimes the the dark valley gets oh so dark. And we need to look to the risen Lord and encourage each other to do the same. So if we can help you, please don't be ashamed or embarrassed. Let us help you. There's a room in the back. The elders would love to pray with you after services. Or you can come forward as together we stand and sing.